Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back in Better Than Ever, Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Marcus Spears in 15 minutes. He will be on the Goodyear hotline. Lots to get to here in our first day for the beginning of the rest of our lives. This is where we will be from now on. With you here a couple of hours earlier than I've been for the last few months and a couple of hours later than I was for 18 years. And we will all get used to it together and I promise we will have a lot of fun along the way. We have a feature we're going to do called The Green List where we are going to put lists together for you. And today, the first list is an easy one. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. I like a list. I'm a person who likes a list. I used to like it when David Letterman would do his top 10 list. I like a list. I like something you can sink your teeth into. And starting tomorrow, we'll be counting down the top five, this, that, or the other every day on this show. And we'll be asking for your input as to what lists you would like to see us do. Most of the time, they'll be about sports. Every now and again, maybe they won't be. But for today's list, I figure with the NFL season now really officially over, it feels like a good day to do my postseason award. So that's what today's list is going to be. I will list you my award awards for this just concluded National Football League season. It begins with the easiest one of all, and that is Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. I was one of the last holdouts on this. I hold, I held out with Patrick Mahomes for a very, very long way. And it was not until the very end, the last two or three weeks, that I just couldn't do it anymore. Aaron Rodgers had a brilliant season. Aaron Rodgers carried his team, not in a way that Josh Allen didn't and Patrick Mahomes didn't. You take the quarterbacks off any of these teams, the result is going to be similar. But there was just something about the way Rodgers did it. And the award is a narrative award. The narrative 1,000% works for Aaron Rodgers. So to me, there's no question. It's going to be a landslide, something that I didn't even think he would win a month ago. Not only does he win, but I think he wins it going away. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the MVP. Next... The Offensive Player of the Year. I know everyone in the world is going to go Devontae Adams, but I'm telling you right now, I would give that award to Derrick Henry. Not because he rushed for over 2,000 yards, but because he rushed for over 1,000 of them in the second halves of games. As these games go on and players get more tired, Derrick Henry genuinely does get stronger. And the evidence I can give you of that is that if you eliminate every yard he rushed for in the first half, of games this year, he would have finished fourth in the league in rushing. Derrick Henry in the second half was the fourth best rusher in the National Football League this season. And he is 100% responsible for that team being what it is and where it is. They won a division because of that guy. And that's not to diminish anything in the season Devontae Adams had or Travis Kelsey had or anybody else. But you have to pick one. For me, that one is Derrick Henry. Next. On the television screen, it is going to have the wrong information, I think, because I changed my mind on this one this morning. My defensive player of the year. This is not your fault, Ryan Staloff. When you put these graphics together, you had it right. I had originally decided I was going to go with T.J. Watt. But then I sat and I looked at the numbers, and I looked at what that Washington defense has been the last two months. And I've decided the best defensive player in the National Football League is Chase Young. If you were going to start a team right now with any defensive player in the sport, you would start it with Chase Young. He is unbelievable. And whether he should or shouldn't be calling out Tom Brady going into a playoff game, I love the fact that he does. And he can back it up. You know what Chase Young is? Chase Young is Nick Bosa, but better. And Bosa was the most important player on a Super Bowl team last year. And Chase Young could be that. I don't think Washington's going to the Super Bowl this year, but I wouldn't put it past them to make a deep playoff run soon 
I mean like next year kind of soon. And every once in a while you can build a team around players at a position other than quarterback. And that's what the Niners did a year ago, and that's what this Washington team is doing around Chase Young, who for my money is the best defensive player in the NFL. My rookie of the year is Justin Herbert. I know Justin Jefferson gets a lot of, will get a lot of attention. He had the most productive rookie receiving season in NFL history. I take nothing away from what he did. I actually would like to have given Joe Burrow this award because I thought he lifted an entire franchise. But you look at the numbers that Justin Herbert put up. You look at the way he went toe-to-toe with some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and did not blink this year, even in games in which his team lost, almost none of which were his fault. Justin Herbert had a transcendent, brilliant season and he is the rookie of the year the worst season by any player in the national football league this year was had by carson wentz no player in my opinion from the beginning of the season to the end lost more than wentz did and it is not just because of the way he played lots of people played badly but i think carson wentz with the way he behaved the way he handled everything and frankly to be a healthy scratch with a hundred million dollar contract and a Sunday night game on a day where Matt Stafford is playing a meaningless game for Detroit with all those injuries and everything else because your feelings are hurt, it's a bad look. I don't think any one individual player in the NFL, out of however many there are, lost more this season than Carson Wentz did. The direct opposite of that is the one who gained the most. And I have a special award that I'm calling the best season of anyone who barely played. And I'm giving that award to Dak Prescott. And I believe I just heard Christine say that Jerry Jones admitted in his radio interview today that no one has more leverage than Dak Prescott does. I'll take it a step farther. No player in NFL history at any individual moment has had more leverage than Dak Prescott has at this moment. Dak Prescott will be the richest player in the National Football League because he has played this right. And from the very beginning, the Cowboys have played it wrong. And then the final award I will give will be the Total Vindication Award. And to me, that goes to Tom Brady. At the age of 43, to throw 43 touchdowns this year, and you look at what he left behind and what became of the Patriots in his absence, with I know a lot of players opting out and everything else, but at the end of the day, you look at things for what they are, and he shows up down there in Tampa, puts it together and figures it out to the tune of 11-5 and and goes into the playoffs hot. And again, at the age of 43, threw 43 touchdowns this year, That is total vindication for Tom Brady. So congratulations to him. And that is the first green list that we will do. Those are my postseason awards. I don't know exactly how they will compare to yours. Meanwhile, before Marcus Spears joins me here, there's something that I just want you to know. Because I think that this is is something that Marcus will be able to help me dive into. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. Here's what I just want you to know. So on Sunday... I went out to get myself some lunch before the games were going to start. And there's a little deli that just opened near my house in Connecticut. And I go into the deli and they've got all this great stuff. You know those delis where you see the food behind there? It's like an Italian deli. So, you know, they've got like the roasted peppers and they've got... I love that stuff. So I buy a ton of that stuff for lunch. And I'm chatting with the guy who owns the place and he's telling me, oh, yes, we make everything on the premises. You need to try our soups. So I go over to the little refrigerated area. And they've got the chicken noodle soup. Now, my wife, Stacey, loves chicken noodle soup. And so I said, I'm going to grab her a chicken noodle soup because I think she'll like it. And I bring that home and I tell her, I brought you home a chicken noodle soup. I thought you'd like to try it. And she was appreciative. 
Day goes on. I ate my lunch. I'm watching football with Stevie. I'm not that hungry when it gets to dinner time. I open the refrigerator. I'm just looking for a small meal. And I see the soup. The chicken noodle soup, which looked so good. So I ate the soup. I took the soup out of the refrigerator. I put it in a bowl. I put it in the microwave. I warmed it up and I ate the soup. And Stace comes in and she says, what are you doing? And I said, I'm having the soup for dinner. And she said, you brought the soup home because you thought I would try it. And I said, yes, but it was just sitting there. You didn't eat it for lunch. I saw you eat an entire other lunch. And so I thought I would eat the soup. And I said, but wasn't it still nice of me to think of you that you would enjoy the soup? And she said, no, no, no. There's no way you get credit for the soup. And I said, I beg to differ. I actually think under the circumstances, I deserve credit for the soup. So that is the question of the day. Do I deserve credit for the soup? Because in the moment I thought of her and I thought how much she would enjoy the soup. So I believe I deserve credit for the soup despite the fact that I myself wound up eating the soup. It's not like I brought it home and immediately ate the soup. It wasn't until much later. I'm talking hours later that I ate the soup. She had ample opportunity to eat the soup. So I believe I get credit for the soup. No soup for you. Greeny, the podcast. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from $25 and under to $100 and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. All right, Greedy with you here reminding you this show is a podcast every single day, each individual hour called Hashtag Greeny is available anywhere you get your podcasts. As much as I would like you to spend two hours a day with me, I get it. You have a life. You're busy. So anything that you miss, you can catch up anytime you want. Hashtag Greeny is the name of the podcast. It's available anywhere you want. And I can remind you, the NFL playoffs kick off this weekend. Our game is Ravens-Titans, Sunday, 105 Eastern, and we have the Megacast. So it'll be on ABC, ESPN, ESPN Deportes, and the Megacast on ESPN2, ESPN Plus, and Freeform. So experience football like you never have before this coming weekend. Meanwhile, we have major breaking news. Uh, and I'm going to bring Marcus Spears in on this. Uh, big fella, Swagu with me on the Goodyear hotline. And Marcus, I don't know if we've even heard this yet. It's just coming across from Adam Schefter. But the Cleveland Browns are in the playoffs for the first time in 18 years. And they will play Sunday night without their head coach. Kevin Stefanski is among several Cleveland Browns coaches and players who have tested positive for COVID. Kevin Stefanski, two other coaches and two players uh, have COVID issues. Browns special teams coordinator Mike Prefer. I, I don't know if it's Prefer or Prefer. I apologize. Will now serve as Cleveland's acting head coach. It is Stefanski, a defensive backs coach, a tight ends coach, a wide receiver, and an offensive lineman 
who are all now going to miss the game because of a COVID outbreak for the Browns who are closing their facility during the week of their first playoff game in 18 years. Marcus, what's your reaction? Just horrible, G. Uh, horrible, man. And Cleveland, unfortunately for them, the the end of the season is when COVID really hit this, this franchise and organization. And look, man, Stefanski is obviously up for coach of the year, but I couldn't imagine there being a more important relationship uh, coach quarterback than Stefanski and Baker Mayfield. I mean, we've talked about and went and, and have have enjoyed seeing um, Baker's progression, but also realizing how important Kevin Stefanski has been to that. So, you know, it, it's difficult. Like we we had to. Um, it slipped in my mind, but th- there was a, a, I think, a college game where a coordinator missed. Oh, Clemson. Mm-hmm. Clemson's offensive coordinator uh, wasn't able to be at the game, and we saw that they had some struggles against Ohio State. So I don't know, man. I, it's it's super unfortunate. You think about the success and all of the things that's going Cleveland's way, being in the playoffs after such a long period of time. This is devastating news. That's, um, that's an now, important that point you're making. They can't. Yeah. No, Mark, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think I want to make sure we emphasize that. It's an important point you're making. It's one thing to lose your head coach on game day, but Stefanski is one of those coaches who is actually calling the plays, and it has been so effective, right, if I have that right, with him doing that with Baker Mayfield, that this might be one of the worst situations we could have this in for any team. No doubt. No doubt, G. And if you remember when we were talking about um, – leading into this season, like what if what if a starting quarterback gets COVID or what if a um you know a superstar gets COVID, how unfair that would be. Well I would equate this to that. That's how important I think Kevin Stefanski is to the success of not only Baker Mayfield but this offense and how he calls plays, actually being there and feeling the game, having a feel for I, you know, I it's not to be taken lightly. This is this is devastating news going into a game already where you only put up 24 points against this team without their best players playing, and you didn't have the pressure of being Roethlisberger playing, and you possibly need to put up more points. Um, so not having them on the sideline to me is is a huge deal. This is this is big. This is the equivalent of not having. Um, a superstar player to actually play and execute what the plan is. I agree. I feel bad for the fans. I feel bad for everyone involved, but I, I particularly feel bad for the fans in Cleveland who've waited 18 years for a playoff game. And this doesn't mean that they can't win, but it certainly is a, a terrible blow for them. Greeny and Marcus Spears with me. You know, Marcus, you gave me the idea for a new segment that we are doing on the show called Tell Me a Story because I had you on a couple of weeks ago, and I asked you to tell me a story about playing for Nick Saban, and you told an absolutely fabulous story, and it got me to thinking, I work with all of you guys who have all these great stories about your playing careers, and we never give you the opportunity to tell them. So today, yeah. I'm going to ask you to tell me a story about playing for Bill Parcells. I've always found Bill to be one of the most interesting people in sports. You played for him. Yep. Tell me a story about playing for Bill Parcells. Okay, so, so G, as a rookie... Um DeMarcus Ware was taken 11th overall, and I was taken 20th in the 2005 draft. Mm-hmm. So Bill had this thing where when we have breaks at practice, um, you have one of us, one of the first-round picks had to bring him 
water or bring him some Gatorade. Like that was just the the run. That was one of your rookie uh, rookie initiations. So um, one day we had practice and, and D Ware had taken him his water, and my head is spinning, um, and we get a break, and I forget to to pick the water up and take it to Bill. So. And, and mind you, at this time, I couldn't stand Bill Parcells' guts. Couldn't I, I didn't like anything about it um, because I didn't understand the method to the madness. Now I'm grateful for uh, the, the part he played in me playing in the league for so long. But I forgot to take the water. So we're getting ready to go back to, to practice. We're getting ready to go, I think, 9-7, which is a run period. Very physical up front, offensive line. And um, – we get into the nine or seven period, and this is supposed to be a part of the a, a, a practice where you get a look at how the other teams run the football. So you can, you know, obviously read the keys, know where you need to be on every on certain plays or whatever. So I, you know, we run we run play one, and I get double team. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. In the NFL, during when I was playing, you got a lot of double teams, especially as a three four defensive end. So the second play, I get double team. I'm like, okay, this, this is going to be a long day playing. I think we were playing – I think we were actually playing the, the um, Washington football team, you know, the, the former name. Mm-hmm. Um, and they and they had – no, we were playing Philly with John Runyon. And Runyon was one of my arch nemesis. But anyway, I get a double team on the second play. I'm like, what? what is, all right, cool, that's fine. We just – it's 9 7 It's run period. This is what it's supposed to be. Gee, we get to play number seven, all right? <laughs> Now, these are 10 play scripts in these segments of practice, and I get a double team seven plays in a row. So I get mad. I'm pissed off at that point. Uh, Casey Rogers is my D line coach. Mike Zimmer is the defensive coordinator. And obviously, Bill has his hand on defense. So I scream out, what the, what the choice word going on? I know I'm not going to see this many, you know, choice word double teams. And uh, Bill said, did you have something to do during the break that you forgot to do? And I said, and I could not, gee, it would not come to me. And Beware looked over there and said, you didn't get that water, dog. (laughs) (laughs) So he had you, he basically double teamed you and beat you up through an entire practice because you forgot to bring him water. He tried to beat me up through an entire drill during practice because I forgot to bring him water during the break. That is exactly the kind of thing that I would have expected. And you know what? You probably never forgot to bring him something again, did you? I never, I never did. And fortunately, you know, um, as you, as you get older and you play and have some success, you're not expected to do as much as far as making sure the uh, head coach is hydrated. It's a great story. Marcus, you're the best. Thank you. I'll see you later in the week. All right, Jake. Take care, brother. That's Marcus Spears. I didn't get to ask him my soup story because we have this breaking news about the Browns, but it is, I think, well worth doing because it's extraordinarily important. We'll continue to go in search of that because once this outbreak starts, who knows where it goes? I don't even want to jinx it by saying out loud what I'm thinking, but I'm sure you can guess what it is. We'll talk more about that, and I will tell you the one player who gained my everlasting respect this week and the one who lost it. Those are next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C., Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This is Greeny coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17, South Street Seaport, New York City. I'm presented by... Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $750 on average. Again, the enormous news coming across in just the last little while. The Cleveland Browns, just a few days away from playing their first playoff game in 18 years, have had a COVID outbreak that has claimed to to this point, to the best of our knowledge, two players and three coaches, including their head coach, Kevin Stefanski. And if you are just joining us here, I was just talking with Marcus Spears. Stefanski is a particularly bad coach to lose. And that's going to sound like a ridiculous thing to say. Any team losing their head coach going into a playoff game would be bad. But in the case of Stefanski, he is the offensive play caller. And his, the marriage, if you will, of him and Baker Mayfield has been so good. And he has gotten so much, I think, well-deserved credit for the, 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 the improvement that we have seen in Baker Mayfield that it feels to me like of all the different head coaches that you might lose for a week with this team, brand new in the playoffs, Mayfield, everything else, this this feels like a really, really bad loss. It's worth keeping an eye on, among other things, the point spread. David Purdom tweets, the current consensus line, Browns at Steelers, is Pittsburgh minus five, and the over-under is 47.5. Let's see if that moves. Again, Pittsburgh minus five. Let's see if that moves in the wake of this news, which, again, is just coming across here in the last few minutes. Um, Let me give you um, my fascinating stats for the day. Fascinating stats are brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Every day I'll give you a couple of statistics that you can chew on a little bit and have a little fun with. I'm going to give you two for the price of none today. Two fascinating stats. They're both involving playoff teams. The first of them is the Pittsburgh Steelers, who Cleveland will play on Sunday night. The Pittsburgh Steelers this season ranked dead last in rushing. In fact, in their last five games, of which they lost four, in their last five games, 83% of their offense came through the air. Only 17% of their total yards on offense have come through running the football. 
over their last five games. That's a startlingly small number, and it will not work in the playoffs. There's no way you can be that one-dimensional. I don't care who you're playing and have success in the postseason. So do they get past Cleveland on Sunday night that way? Maybe. Do they get any farther than that? Hard to picture. Hard to picture. So that's one fascinating stat for the day. And then the other one, I had Bruce Arians on an hour ago, coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you know we were talking about a little bit of trash talk that you're getting from that Washington defensive front, Chase Young, who again was born the year after or the year before Tom Brady was drafted into the NFL, saying we want Tom Brady. Well, guess what? The Washington defense leads the NFL in scoring D over their last 10 games and are second in efficiency in that span. The Washington defense is no joke. And I know the Bucks feel like this is the matchup that they wanted. And I guess of the division champions, that's right. You would rather play them at this point than you would New Orleans or Seattle. Green Bay's not on the table because they get the bye. But this is not a walk in the park. By any means, this is going to be a very tough game. The Buccaneers will not win this game easily, whether Mike Evans plays or not, because that Washington defense is that kind of good. I think this is going to be a very tough night for Tampa Tom, Buccaneer Bruce, and the Bucs at a Washington defense that, again, over the last 10 games has been the best scoring defense in the National Football League. All right, Greeny with you here. Meanwhile, let's do the takes for the day. Greeny's Takes. All right, let's run through some hot takes here on a couple of different things that I think. And the first of them is this. I believe Derrick Henry should get MVP consideration. I told you this at the beginning of the hour. I believe Derrick Henry deserves consideration for MVP based on what he did in the second halves of games this year. If Derrick Henry had only played the second halves of games this year, he would have been the fourth leading rusher in the National Football League. So when defenses are getting tired, he's just getting warmed up. And that, to me, is the reason why the Titans won the division, and that is why they are where they are right now. So to me, Derrick Henry should be getting MVP consideration and should be the Offensive Player of the Year, even though I don't believe he will win it. Next thing, Mac Jones looks to me like he is going to be a really good NFL quarterback. So if you've watched him a little bit at Alabama this year, you may not have because they beat everybody 60-3. to so you don't pay a lot of attention to it, and you think, well, they've got this Devontae Smith, and they just are killing everyone, and the quarterback from Alabama never winds up being the great player, although Tua might be rewriting that, and maybe Jalen Hurts too. But I found some things out about Mac Jones as I've t- looked at it a little bit more closely. Did you know that he graduated in two and a half years with a 4.0 GPA? Did you know that he has a master's degree now? Do you watch the way he plays? If you watch him closely... He makes NFL-caliber decisions. He knows when to get rid of the football. He knows when to throw it away. He goes to the first guy, the second guy, the third guy, in the way that sometimes it takes NFL quarterbacks three or four years to do. There's no substitute for smart at that position. Steve Young once told me that the intellectual challenge of playing quarterback in the NFL, he found greater than the intellectual challenge of graduating from law school, which he did. So I think you cannot underestimate when you talk about all the traits. And Mel was saying this morning, well, he doesn't have some of this athleticism and all the rest of that. He's big, he's strong, he can throw it, and he's smart. There's no substitute for smart. Mac Jones is going to be an interesting candidate this year. When we get to the draft, keep a close eye on him. I think he looks like a really good NFL quarterback. And then one more. 
it just needs to be said out loud. And this, I, I, I do not say that I don't think he's going to be an excellent player. I think he is, and I certainly hope he is. I hope he has enormous success. I wish him nothing but the best. Everyone who's been around him says he is a terrific kid. And obviously, there's a level of excitement for him coming into the NFL, the likes of which we haven't seen for a quarterback since Andrew Luck came out, whatever that was, nine or ten years ago. But here's the reality about Trevor Lawrence. In the last three playoff games he played, he was the second-best quarterback on the field in all three of them. Justin Fields outplayed him last year in a game Ohio State lost. Joe Burrow dramatically outplayed him in the championship game in a game that Clemson lost. And then this past Friday night, when his coach was putting all the pressure in the world on him and ranking Ohio State 11th and all the rest of that, you watch that game and you tell me coming away from it, oh, the quarterback of Clemson is the guy you have kill to have, not the other one. Now again, this is not in any way to suggest that he's not going to be a great player because the two games that I just described for you are literally the only two games he lost during his career. But they were the biggest ones after his freshman year when he won the championship. So I just think that that's got to be in the evaluation somewhere, doesn't it? I, I just It keeps sticking in my mind. These guys are not stone-cold dead pipe blocks. He looks great. Again, I wish him nothing but all the success in the world. I hope he is a great player. But it should be pointed out that the last few really, really, really big games that we've seen him play, he wasn't the best quarterback on the field. All right, we're throwing open the phone lines now to you. 888-SAY-ESPN is my phone number. We'll play a game called What Do You Want to Know? Greeny, the podcast. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. And again, if you're just joining us, huge news, uh, and that is that the Cleveland Browns have had a COVID outbreak in their facility. They've closed their facility And one of those who will not be available for their game Sunday night, their first playoff game in 18 years, is their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, who may very well wind up winning coach of the year this year. And if he does, he'll deserve it. He's done a a spectacular job. He is their offensive play caller as well. He works extremely well with their quarterback, Baker Mayfield. Just a terrible blow. It doesn't mean they can't win, but it sure makes it a lot harder. And again, it's a franchise and a fan base that have waited 18 years to get back to the playoffs, and now they'll have to do it without their coach on Sunday night. Now, the line opened at 4.5 or was at 4.5 this morning. It's now at 5.5. We'll see if that continues to impact it. Meanwhile, before we get to the phones here at 888-SAY-ESPN, a reminder, tonight is the Heisman. Complete coverage with the finalists being Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence, Devontae Smith, and Kyle Trask. The coverage starts 7 o'clock Eastern on ESPN and ESPN Radio. And then one other thing. Sneaky Big News. I'm not 100% sure this even qualifies as sneaky. That's I, I, I probably should correct myself. It's just big news. Alabama coach Nick Saban has told ESPN that Jalen Waddell, who when this season began, was the star receiver at Alabama, the one everyone was talking about for the Heisman, has been cleared to practice this week and has a chance to play Monday against Ohio State. 
The quote from Saban is, he's been running. We need to see him practice. Our medical people will evaluate him as the week goes on. He wants to play and has been working hard to get back. He broke his leg. He's been out for weeks and weeks. They've been obviously phenomenal without him, but would be that much better with him if he can actually play any facsimile of his usual self. He is a superstar player, so that would be an enormous addition for Alabama in the national championship game if that is the way it winds up going. So that is it's not even sneaky big news. I'll stand corrected. That is just big news of the biggest variety. With that said, let's play What Do You Want to Know? Time for your questions here at 888-SAY-ESPN. Bubba, let's get some folks on here and see what their questions are. Who is first up? Yeah, first up is Alex. Alex, you're on ESPN Radio. Alex, what do you want to know? Hi, Greeny. Uh, the Dolphins have the third overall pick. Uh, there's been talk on local radio about possibly drafting a quarterback. Uh, I think it's too soon. Uh, there's not a whole lot of talent surrounding uh, Tua right now. And the fact that they're still a rebuilding team. I just wanted to know your thoughts about yes, that. Yes, I'm glad you asked that question. We talked about it on TV this morning. Mel Kuyper, Marcus Spears, and Jeff Saturday all agreed you have to give Tua another chance next year. In fact, Mel made the point that Tua, anything you got from him this year was probably gravy because his body still needs to recover and come back fully. You didn't see all of the arm strength that he had at Alabama. You did see some of the athleticism, but I think there'll be more. I think the feeling is that this was a good first year for Tua, considering the injuries he was coming back from, but given a full offseason to recover and get stronger and get healthier and get more comfortable, that it would be greatly premature to move on from him. And that's what using the third pick on a quarterback would be. Do they bring back Fitzpatrick? Do they bring in a different a veteran to compete with him or something like that, I guess that's possible. But I do not believe, or at least no one I've asked, believes that the Dolphins are going to move on from Tua. It's a good question. Bubba, who's next? Next up is Chris. Chris, you're on ESPN Radio. Chris, what do you want to know? Hey, Greeny. I know that uh, Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Johnny Manziel, but every time Johnny Manziel played a team like LSU with those NFL-caliber defensive players, he didn't play worth the crap. And I'm wondering if, Johnny, if you know, Trevor Lawrence is going down that same path, that he can't beat that type of talent. And that's what's going to happen in the NFL. Well, look, I, 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 and, and I'm glad you prefaced it by saying no one is making that comparison. There's no comparison of Trevor Lawrence as a prospect to Johnny Manziel or practically anyone. The comparison and the evaluation of Trevor Lawrence is to Andrew Luck and John Elway and like the holy trinity of quarterback evaluations. Like he's that good. Everyone whose opinion matters says he's that good. So when I say it just has to be pointed out somewhere that when he plays against the great teams, he never seems to be the best quarterback on the field. I'm just sort of throwing that in as as a monkey wrench, if you will, into the conversation because if I had the first pick, I'd take him. Don't get me wrong. If the Jets had the first pick, I would be in favor of them taking him. Whether they take Justin Fields or not is an entirely separate conversation. But I am not in any way suggesting he shouldn't be, wouldn't be, won't be, or doesn't need to be the first pick in the draft. I think he's going to be a great player. But you're pointing out what I was pointing out, which is that sometimes against the best teams with the best defensive players on the field, he hasn't been at his best. It's just worth pointing out. This is Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Bubba, who's next? Next up, we got Patrick. All right, Patrick, what do you want to know? Greeny, I want your sleeper pick to win the Super Bowl this year. Well, so the sleeper pick is an interesting question. The team that I, if, if I were to make a bet on someone, depending on how you're defining a sleeper, I said earlier um, this year on TV that the team with the best chance in the AFC to beat Kansas City is Buffalo, and I still think that. 
I think the really dangerous team is Baltimore. The problem is Baltimore and Kansas City is just a bad matchup. If Styles make fights, that just doesn't work for the Ravens. Every time they play Kansas City, they get smacked. You see that game on Monday night early this season? I know it feels like 20 years ago. That's just a bad matchup for them. For whatever reason, their defense does not play against Kansas City. So I can't see Baltimore beating them. So if they got to go through Kansas City, I don't think they're going to do it. I don't think Buffalo would be considered a sleeper because of the number two seed in the conference. So I guess in the absence of anybody better to give you than those, would Tampa be considered a sleeper? I mean, they're the five seed, but Tom Brady is their quarterback. If you would include Tampa as a sleeper, they're not a division champ. They're the fifth seed. I'll take them. Of all the teams that, that, let's put it this way, of all the teams that don't have home field advantage in any game this postseason, if that's how we're going to define a sleeper, the team I'll take to go to the Super Bowl is Tampa Bay. It's a good question. Give me one more. Bubba, who you got? Chuck is up. Chuck, you're on ESPN Radio. What do you want to know? Hi, Greeny. Um, Will Matt Stafford be the opening day quarterback for the Detroit Lions, and what would be a good fit for him if he's not? It's a great question, and my, my fear is that he's going to wind up in New England. That just feels like such a great Belichick move. That Belichick will go and they, we will, he will get him. I think he would be perfect there. I would like to see Matt Stafford, who gained my everlasting respect by playing this past week with all the injuries that he had, by playing in a quote-unquote meaningless game because there are none, and someone needs to tell the folks in Philadelphia that, uh, by going out there and playing. I love Stafford, and he's had a great career on a terrible team, and I would like to see him finish somewhere else. My gut feeling is it's fresh start time in Detroit, and he is somewhere else next season. Where that is, I can't tell you, but New England feels like a real possibility. I will leave it there. Thank you for the questions. Thank you for being here on this first day. I really look forward to this. It's going to be an entirely different feel, and I hope you'll come along for the ride with me. We'll be here two hours every single day, talking sports, having fun, head home, get myself some soup. I'm going to bring the wife some soup today, and this time I have a feeling I won't even eat it. Thank you so very much for hanging out with me. I'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow right here on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.